0: You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to the audio version of the Church Doctor Report, presented by Kent Hunter. Welcome to this audio version of the Church Doctor Report. Our topic is, look for what's not there. In the movie, The Magic of Belle Isle, Morgan Freeman plays an angry man in a wheelchair, who drinks a lot of alcohol. The backstory is that he is an accomplished author whose life seems over. He moves into a small home next to a single mother with young daughters. He is miserable and irritated with life. The next-door neighbors try to welcome him, but at first he resists. The youngest girl discovers that he is an author. She wants to be a writer as well, so she asks for his help. After several attempts to be good neighbors, the mother and the daughters have a softening effect on the grumpy old man in the wheelchair. Finally, the anger softens, and the man begins guiding the little girl. Encouraging her to write, this story is like a parable of redemption, just like Jesus can soften even those who are incarcerated criminals. As the girl grows in her writing, she asks the old man how he writes such great stories. His answer is a parable for Christians and the church the old man says, never stop looking for what's not there. In our work with churches as church consultants, we often encounter those who think we are there to uncover the dirt. Some Christ followers think we are focused on the problems, yet we have banished the word problems from our vocabulary. Problems are not part of our church doctor culture. We only speak of challenges. While that might seem like simple semantics, it is much more. It is understanding that sometimes God allows challenges to get our attention. Occasionally, our worst nightmares turn into our greatest blessings. Consider Hebrews 12, verse 2. For the joy that was before him, Jesus endured the cross. When you look at your church, or the Christian movement in general, it can be helpful to focus on what's not there. For example, when I went to college in response to God's call to ministry, it came as God brought me to a whole new level of faith. I wanted to help bring that same spiritual blessing to others. Therefore, I was really interested to learn about how to reach people far from God. However, in college, I was, as Morgan Freeman's character said, looking for something that was not there. I concluded that it must be something I would encounter in seminary. No one at the Christian college taught me anything about reaching lost people for Jesus. Now, fast forward four years, and I was off to the seminary. After a year of some great classes about theology and doctrine, I discovered I was looking for something that was not there. I began to wonder, maybe I should try a different seminary. So, in my second year of seminary, my wife and I tried something very different. We moved to the other end of the world, Australia. I enrolled in a seminary in the city of Adelaide, South Australia. Our time down under was a great adventure. It was interesting to be an immigrant in another country. We fell in love with the people. I had many great classes, but nothing about reaching those who were not yet believers. Well, after our year down under, we came back to the U.S., and I served my internship in Florida for a year. It was the church secretary who taught me how to do a funeral. The uh, supervising pastor was out of town. That pastor was a great leader, but honestly, I did not learn much of anything about reaching those who are far from God. Finally, after that year I returned to seminary for my last year and graduation, which occurred the following spring. While my classmates went on to ministry, I was led to believe that perhaps I should stay for graduate school. Maybe that's where you learn how to reach the unbelievers who make up the majority of our country, I thought. Three and a half years later, I received a Ph.D. in theology, and while I am very grateful for the extra learning, I had reached the end of what the system had to offer, yet I still had not learned much about how to reach lost people for Jesus. Indeed, I was still looking for what was not there. My first church placement as a pastor was in the inner city of Detroit, the church had just under a 1,000 people in worship, and I was the only pastor. I quickly learned why no other pastors had been willing to serve that church. The congregation had declined by 68% in the previous 10 years. The neighborhood was changing from all Anglo to 50% African American. Most of the great people in my church were older, and many of the African American families in our community we're younger and unchurched. Everything we tried to reach our community failed. I asked my denomination for guidance. I asked what works in a situation like this. When I talked to the leaders at the highest level of my denomination, I was told, we don't know what works. Another one said, yeah, we've already closed 20 churches in the city of Detroit, all like yours, and your church will likely die as well. I wondered, is there some bigger issue? Are we looking close enough for what is not there? No one could tell but my wife. I was suffering from clergy depression and feeling like a failure. In retrospect, I think God had me ready That is, open to discover what honestly isn't there in most churches and most denominations, even today. There's a word for this in Scripture. It is the word time, or timing. In Scripture, there are two words for the word time. Kronos is the word for time, as in it's 2.30 p.m. However, the other word, kairos, is also a word for time, but it means the Lord's time, God's timing. In my despair, I experienced a kairos moment. While I was in the depths of discouragement, my breakthrough came in the form of a brochure in the mail. I almost discarded it as junk mail. I really didn't know this material could change my life and my church. The brochure was an advertisement from a seminary that taught busy pastors the concept of mission and how to put those concepts into use. The school was in California, but the classes were organized for pastors. It described numerous classes two weeks at a time, So the pastors only missed one Sunday. The seminary required the students, the pastors, to read about 2,400 pages of assigned reading before arriving. And we had to write a paper after returning home. And the paper was to be a plan of implementation for your church based on what you learned in the class. The degree program required that you attend three two-week sessions each year for three to four years. You could work it all around your own schedule. It seemed like a good idea. And after I prayed about it, I shared my interest with my wife, Janet. Her reaction? She said, are you going to school the rest of your life? Do you really need yet another doctoral degree? My response was something like this. Look, Janet, I'll go once. If it's not what I'm looking for, I won't go back. I used the same explanation with the leadership of my congregation. In so many words, I was honestly saying, I'm looking for what is not there. The end result? I finally learned how to be a missionary to my own country in my own community at my own church let's think about the church in america in the us many churches are declining in attendance meanwhile there are some churches experiencing growth now i know some of those congregations are adding people who left dying churches yet Others are actually reaching formerly unchurched individuals, those who previously had no faith or any church background. That group now represents the majority of Americans. Around 1935, the Gallup organization started asking a large sampling of Americans about church membership. They have provided this random sampling survey every five years. They ask the question, Do you happen to be a member of a church, a mosque, or a synagogue? Now, please understand, this question does not discover if they actually attend a church, just whether they're a member of a church. Well, in the 1960s, the Gallup numbers responding in the affirmative We're around 70%. They said, yeah, I'm a member of a church. This year, 2021, it has now dropped from 70% to 47%. This is the lowest number since they started the survey. The message? We are losing America. Why? Why? For decades, Church Doctor Ministries has worked with congregations to help them see what is not there. To understand this, look back with me to when I graduated from seminary. In my graduating class, there were perhaps six or seven students who felt called to be missionaries. That meant they were called to serve on the mission field, called by God, to be on the mission field, which meant somewhere overseas. Those students, after graduation from the seminary, were required to attend a mission school after seminary. So, what were they taught? They were taught the discipline called missiology, the study of missions. Do you get the point? Perhaps this will help. When our church doctors address groups of believers in various churches, we ask people, Who knows a missionary personally? There are usually two or three people who raise their hands, and so we ask them to share with the group about the missionary they know. They go on to tell about some missionary in a foreign country. Then we tell people in the group, Go home, look in the mirror, and say, I am a missionary. For many, the first time they look in the mirror, they discover what is not there. In truth, most American Christians and their churches, and even whole denominations, have not looked for what's not there. We haven't grasped what it means to be on a mission field. Consequently, we don't train pastors this discipline of missiology. Therefore, collectively, we're losing America. The same pattern has occurred in much of Europe. The beautiful cathedrals in Europe become tourist attractions. The mission field? Not so much. The mission of Jesus isn't there it isn't taught, so it isn't caught. And so, the church declines. You know, when Jesus began his ministry, many Jews didn't get it. Actually, most of the religious leaders, the scribes, and the Pharisees missed the mission of Jesus entirely. They weren't looking for what's not there. If you've seen the first season of The Chosen, directed by Dallas Jenkins, you'll remember the challenges faced by Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, and most of the religious leaders, honestly, were not looking for what's not there. However, Nicodemus was open to God's movement, and little by little, he came to see Jesus for who he was and is. John the Baptist was in prison. He sent his disciples to ask about Jesus. John was looking for what's not there. John's disciples asked Jesus, Are you he who is to come, or shall we look for another? Jesus said in Matthew 11, 2-5, Jesus said, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The message, when the mission of Jesus touches you, you begin to see what's not there. Recently, our leader at Church Doctor Ministries, Tracy Swank, asked me to help teach a missionary outreach clinic at a church she had consulted in Indianapolis. On the drive to the church, Tracy said, I can't wait for you, Kent, to meet Phil. He's blind, and he's amazing. (laughs) Well, as we got ready for the workshop, one of the first people to arrive for the workshop was Phil. He introduced himself, and we shook hands, and I said, Tracy mentioned I would get the chance to meet you. He then said something I could never anticipate. Phil said, oh, I'm so glad to meet you. I read every issue of the church doctor report, I love it. Actually, I didn't know what to say. My mind was racing. How does a blind guy read the church doctor report? I thought. So I just said, uh, "Oh, that's great. Uh, I'm glad it's. I'm glad it's helpful to you." <laughs> I just didn't know what to say. Well, Phil sensed I was perplexed, and he said, I have an electronic reader that scans your church doctor report. And then he added, I really want to read two of your books, Who Broke My Church, and the other book, Restoring Civility. Are they in audiobook form? Well, they aren't. But just then, Tracy came to my rescue and asked Phil what his electronic reader needs to read those books to him. He replied that all he needed was a typed copy of the manuscript. And Tracy said, I'll get you that. As I interacted with this delightful Christian named Phil, I thought of the words, keep looking for what's not there. Then the words of a song came to mind. Amazing Grace, which goes like this, I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Is your church, your denomination, looking for what's not there? Has the enemy blinded us so much that we have limited the mission field only to what is over there, overseas? Has that led to the diabolical failure to train pastors in missiology? And have we simply focused on training pastors to learn the right theology and to basically manage Christians and churches? Are we losing America because we have stopped looking for what's not there in our system? Is this the enemy's deception? Does this occur in history when churches slide from mission to maintenance at home only to focus on mission to those who are far away? Decades ago, we had Church Doctors spent hundreds of hours developing practical mission training that could be taught to church staff and those in their congregation, congregational members who are looking for what's not there. In the last 10 years, it has been revised, field-tested, and used in many churches with great results. It's called the SEND movement. However, we've come to realize there is an issue behind the issue. If we are really going to turn the Christian movement around, if we're going to turn our nation around, we must focus on what is missing what we have lost, or what we have misplaced. You see, you can't do what you don't know, and you can't teach what you haven't learned. The enemy is subtle. Perhaps his strategy is to keep God's people so busy with non-essentials that they fail to keep looking for what's not there. As for Phil... He loved the Missionary Outreach Clinic, and so did everybody else. Everybody does. And as we left, Phil said two things. He said, you know, during this clinic, I have thought of several people I can tell about Jesus. And then he asked, are you an Indianapolis Colts fan? (laughs) I said that I was. And he responded with these very strange words from a blind man. He said, I watch every game. (laughs) How you describe that, I don't know. But it occurred to me that Phil is not handicapped. He sees what is not there. He is filled with amazing grace. Pray, God, for that amazing grace, that mission mindset, that opportunity we have as carriers of the gospel to change the eternal history of those who don't yet know Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the audio version of the Church Doctor Report. If you would like to receive the written version in your email, please sign up by going to www.churchdoctor.org. If you've enjoyed this teaching, please share it with others and encourage them to subscribe. Thank you, and God bless.